With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Kedushin Daflamid, page 30. We begin at the very top. Amr le Rav le Rav Nasan bar Ami. Rav says to Rav Nasan bar Ami, As long as your hand is still on the neck of your son, meaning as long as you still have him within your power, within your control, So you should guide him and correct him and teach him from the age of 16 to 22. That's the time when a person is most prone or most apt to listen to his father, to his advice, to his tochacha, to his rebuke and to his warnings. And there are those who say that the actual, the correct age to teach one's son is from 18 to 24. That's the time that he's going to be most open, and before that and after that, he's not going to be able to listen as well. This has to do, this is also an argument between the Tanoim. The verse says, She'll teach your child according to his way. It's an argument between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Nechemiah. One says that it's from the age of 16 till Esrim Vitartin, till 22. And one says it's from the age of 18 until 24. The same thing that we just said. Now the Gemara continues. How far does one go to teach his son Torah? Like Zvulim Ben Dan, that his grandfather taught him verses and Mishnah and the Gemara and the Halachos and the Agados, the stories of the Gemara. I'll ask you a question on this. So a person has to teach his son, he's obligated to teach him verses. And Rashi says only verses and not Nevi'im and Suvim, only the Torah itself. But he's not obligated to teach his son Mishnah. Rabbi says this is referring to the Torah and not to the Nevi'im and Suvim. So then how can we say that the halacha is that we have to go as far as Zulam and Dan? He taught his son so much, he taught him the verses and he taught, taught him Mishnah and Gemara, etc. So the Gemara answers, In some ways we do like him, and in some ways we do not do like him. We do like Zvulam and Dan in that his grandfather taught him. And we hold that one... Ca- has an obligation to teach his grandson. We like his Zvulmandan, but we don't do like Zvulmandan, the Ilohasimikra Mishnah Vatamud Halachas Vagodis, because there he taught him verses and Mishnah and Gemara and Halachos and the stories of the Gemara. Ilohacha Mikra Levad, whereas in regards to one's basic obligation, all his obligation extends to is to teach his son or his grandson verses. Now the Gemara asks, Vavi Avid Mimachayev, is it true that a grandfather is obligated to teach his grandson Vatani Wilandarabraisa? to my sons shall teach it to your sons and not to your grandsons. Uman, what do I fulfill? How do I fulfill the following verse? That you shall t- let it be known to your sons and your grandsons. That implies there is an obligation on the grandfather. This teaches you should call him Whoever teaches his son Whoever teaches his son Torah is as if he's taught his grandson and his grandson, his great grandson. I'd say call it until all of the generations. So how does Zvulim Bindan, how do we, can Shmuel say like Zvulim Bindan that you have to, that one's obligated to teach his grandson? So the Gemara answers, Who the Amar Ki Hai Tani? He had like this price, the Tani we learned in the Raisa. V'limadat ha'ma sons b'neichem, you shall teach to your sons, e'en li'ela b'neichem, b'nei b'neichem minayin. I only know your sons. How do I know your grandsons? Tamu l'omer, that's what the verse says. V'lektadam l'vanechem l'vnei b'neichem, you shall let it be known to your sons and to your grandsons. In Kayim, Tamu l'omer b'neichem, so why does it say your sons? It's teaching you b'neichem v'lom your sons and not your daughters. Amr Bishuman Levi, Bishuman Levi says, Kol malamet is ben benay Torah, whoever teaches his grandson Torah, ma'alel alav ha'kazo ki ilu kiblu meh Sinai. The Torah considers it as if that you have accepted the Torah, you've received the Torah from Har Sinai. Shnei Marz, the verse says, v'etatam lefanech v'levnei v'nechei, you shall let it be known to your sons and to your grandsons, v'esamech le'en, right next to it, it says, yoyim ha'shem ante lefnei ha'shem lekech v'charev. The day that you stood in front, in front of Hashem, your God, at Charev, at Har Sinai. So thus we see when you teach your grandson, it's as if he received it from Har Sinai. Rabbi Chir Ba'aba Ashkechel Rabbi Shuman Levi. 
that he placed some kind of inappropriate thing on his head. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't a normal thing to cover his head with. He placed maybe some kind of napkin, something that was unusual. And he was bringing his child to the place of learning. said, What is this? What are you doing? Is it small to you that which the verse says, You shall let it be known to your sons. And right next to it, it says, The day that you stood in front of Hashem your God at Chorev, at Harsin. So therefore, you see that it's a very important thing to let it be known to your children, to teach your children Torah. And so I'm, I did it as quick as I could. From that day on, would not eat anything until he went over the verses that the child had learned and he taught him a new verse. Rabbi Baravuna would not eat anything until he brought the child to the place of learning. Rav Safra said in the name of Yeshua ben Chanania, what does it mean in the verse when it says, you shall teach it to your sons? Don't read it, you shall teach it. Rather, you shall split it into three. What does this teach us? Because a person should always split up his years into three. A third of his life he should spend on verses. A third of his life he should spend on Mishnah. And a third of his life he should spend on learning the Gemara. The Gemara says, who knows how long he's going to live? How does he know to split up his life? My answer is like Tzricha Liyami. Means that he should split up his days. Meaning, Rashi says he should split up his week. A few days learning Gemara, a few days learning Mishnah, and a few days learning the Torah. And it's important to understand here. What does it mean? How do we get from Vishinantem to Vishilashtem? They're not even close. So, I saw one of the explanations that's given is that the word Vishinantem means it shall be sharp. Meaning, you shall have it very clear. So, in order for the Torah to be clear, the verses to be clear, so you also have to understand the explanation that's contained within the Mishnah and the Gemara. Therefore, in order to have everything clear, so a person has to split up his days into three parts. For the following reason were the original rabbis referred to as Sofrim. Because the Sofrim means to count. They used to count all the letters of the Torah. Show you Omer, and they would say, The Vav of the word Gachon in Vayikra Yod Aleph is the middle of all the letters of the Sefer Torah. Dorish Dorash, the words Dorish Dorash Chetzin Shel Tevis is the middle letter, the middle words, I'm sorry. Vizgaleach, the verse of Vizgaleach Shel Psukim is the middle verse. The ayin in the letter in the word ya'ar is the middle of the book of Tehillim as far as words. The verse is the middle of the verses. But Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef asked the following question. This is what we said the vav of the word gachoin, I'm sorry, is the middle of the letters of the Torah. From which side is it talking about? Is it the exact center or is it in the middle from one, or, one side or the other. Amr Leh, this is what they said to him, Nesi Sefer Tarvim Ninu, bring out the Sefer Torah and we'll count it. Milei Amr Rabbah Barbachana, wasn't there a story and Rabbah Barbachana said, they didn't move from there until they had brought out the Sefer Torah and counted out the letters. Amr Leh, or Amr Lehu, so he said back, Inu Biki Bechasir Sviyaseris, Anon Lebiki Inon. They knew which letters were supposed to be pronounced or were important and which letters were extra. We don't know that, so therefore we won't be able to count properly. Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef asked the following question, Vizgaleach, Mehagisa, Mehagisa. This is what we said that Vizgaleach is the middle verse, is that going from one side or the other? Amalei Abaye, Abaye responded and said, Bipsuki, in regards to the verses, Mialesu, Limnuya. So bring it out and we'll count it. 
The answer was no. Even the verses we don't know. The chiyaser of Acha bar Ada, as we know from the following statement that Rav Acha bar Ada came when when he came, he said as follows: Omar, he said, in Israel, so they actually split up the following verse into three verses. That Hashem said to Moshe, Behold, I'm coming to you in the thickness of the clouds. So that verse, they actually split up into three, even though we read it as one. So even the the verses themselves, we don't even know. We learned in Hebrew, the Torah consists of 5,888 verses. So Tehillim has eight more. So and the Gra adds that Daniel, together with Divra Yomim, is eight less. We learned in Hebrew, the, the verse that says, You shall teach it, teaches us that the words of the Torah have to be sharp in your mouth. If someone asks you a matter of the Torah, you shouldn't get all flustered, but rather you should be able to say it right away. As the verse says, we turn to Laman and say to wisdom, you are my sister, etc. Meaning, the wisdom, the Torah has to be to you like your sister, it has to be as known to you, as closely, as dear to you as your sister. And the verse furthermore says, tie them onto your fingers, and write them upon the, the board of your heart. And it, the verse also says, like arrows in the hands of a mighty person, so too has to be for those who are learning Torah. And the verse also says, that the arrows of the mighty are very sharp. So therefore, the Torah has to be sharp. The verse also says, when your arrows are sharp, so the nations will fall beneath you. And the verse says, Praiseworthy is the person who has filled up his quiver with them, meaning with these sharp arrows, referring to the sharpness of Torah. They won't be embarrassed. They will conquer their enemies in the gate. What does it mean, the, there are enemies in the gate? says like this, a drasha. Even if you have a father and a son, and a teacher and a student, that they're involved in the Torah in one gate, meaning they're, they're trying to accomplish the same goal. Originally, they are going to be enemies, because they're going to come at it from different angles, but in the end, they're going to end up loving each other, because they're both going to see each other's angle, perhaps, and they're both going to see how each one is saying something beautiful, a different angle on the same words of the Torah. Shnemar, as the verse says, Don't read the verse, rather read it in the end, meaning there shall be love in the end. The Gemara continues, We learn in a brisa. V'samtem, you shall place them. It's referring to Torah. Samtam. The Torah is referred to as a complete antidote. Nimshel Torah is Sam Chaim. Torah is compared to a antidote of life. Mashallah Adam Shehika has been It's comparable to somebody who gave his son a great wound. And he placed upon it a compress to help him heal. And he says, As long as, my son, as long as this compress is upon your wound, Eat and drink whatever you wish. Wash yourself whether in hot water or cold water. In the you don't have to be worried. However, if you take off the compress, it's going to get infected. Similarly, This is what Hashem said to the people of Israel. Bana, my children, Barasi I created this Yitzhahara, that's the wound. And I created the Torah as its antidote. And that's the compress on the wound. If you're involved in learning Torah, so you won't be given over into his hands. Shanamar as the verse says, if you do good, you'll be able to 
hold it up. You'll be able to hold up the Yitzhah so to speak. However, if you don't get involved in learning Torah, you're going to be given over into his hands. Shanemar, as the verse says, At the doorway, so sin is crouching. Not only that, his whole involvement will just be with you. Shanemar, as the verse says, For you is his desire. However, if you wish, you can rule over him. Shanemar, as the verse says, You shall rule over him. Turn around, we learn that a brisa. Kashi Yitzhar, Yitzhar is very bad. Even the creator of the Yitzhar, which is Hashem, called him evil. Shanemar, as the verse says, The nature of a person's heart is evil from his youth. A person's evil inclination is renewed against them every single day. Shnemar's the verse his rak ra kolayim, only evil all day. The Amar Bishimim ben Levi, according to the Gemara Sukkah, so it's Rabbishim ben Lakish, Yitzhak shall Adam misgavar l'b'chal yoyim. A person's evil inclination strengthens itself against him every single day. Mufakish Hamizim wants to kill him. Shnemar, as the verse says, Tiferash l'tzadik, the evil one, the here it's referring to the Yitzhara, he's looking out at the, at the righteous one. Mufakish Hamizim, he wants to destroy him, kill him. It's not for the fact that Hashem was protecting him and helping him. Ein yachalai, he could not succeed against his Yitzhar. Shnemar, as the verse says, God will not leave him over into the hands of the evil one. Tana the Bishmal was learned in a Braisa in the Yeshiva Bishmal. Bini or Bonai, in Pagabachamanuvalze, if this evil one has come across your path, Mashkehu the base of schlep him into the base of Medrash, Im Evanhu, Nimuach, meaning bring him into the place of learning. If he's a stone, so he'll melt. In Barzlumis Poitus, if he's iron, he'll burst. Shinemar, as the verse says, no Mashem. Behold, my, my words are like fire in the words of Hashem. And like a hammer will it destroy a coin. Im Evanhu, Nimuach, if it's going to be like a stone, so then he'll melt. Shinemar, as the verse says, have you called Sami Lachulamayim? All thirsty ones go to water, meaning go learn the Torah. We said the verse says that stones became melted, so to speak, meaning the water dropping drip by drip by drip, drop by drop. So that melted, so to speak, the stone. So that's the power of the Torah. The, par- the power of the Torah is that it has the ability to help one overcome his Yitzhara. La Isha, we said that there's an obligation on the father to marry off his kids. I mean, on the hand, we know this because the verse says, take yourselves wives, and have sons and daughters. Take for your sons wives, and give your daughters over to men. says, we understand it's possible for a person to encourage his son to get married. Is it possible to encourage one's daughter? Of course the daughter wants to get married. However, it's not within her own power. It depends on other men coming to want to marry her. The Gemara says, this is what we mean. This is what he's saying. Nitan la midi, give her things, vilavshia, and dress her, vinichsia, and give her possessions, kiheche de kasula inshi, such that people will be interested, men will be interested in marrying her. Meaning, although you can't force other men to want to marry your daughter, but you can do things in order to encourage them to be interested in your daughter. The lambda umanus, we said there's an obligation to teach your child a craft, minalan, amachiskia. So how do we know this? Because Chizkiah says, because the verse says, See life, and here we're going to translate it as livelihood, with the woman that you love. If this, if this reference to, the, to a woman is reference to literally a woman, he, it is, So we can deduce from this verse that just like someone is obligated to marry off his daughter and marry his son to a woman, so too he's obligated to teach his child a craft, meaning to give him a livelihood. If the verse, when it refers to Isha, to a woman, is referring to the Torah, to learning Torah, just like a person is obligated to teach his son Torah, so too he's obligated 
obligated to teach his son a craft to be able to have a livelihood. Those who say that it's even an obligation on a person to teach his child how to swim, my time, what's the reason? This is also something that he needs in order to stay alive. And it would seem to come under the category of see life. So therefore, uh, you have to teach your kid how to swim, because otherwise you won't survive. You will drown, heaven forbid. Rabbi Yehuda, I'm Rabbi Yehuda says, Whoever doesn't teach his child a craft has taught him to be a robber. Do we mean that he literally taught him to be a, a robber? Like, it's as if he's taught him to be a robber. My what's the difference between Rabbi Yehuda and Tanakama who does not hold this way? The difference will be, what do, what do we need him to have taught his child? Does he have to only teach him to have a craft? According to Rabbi Yehuda, you can only teach him to have a craft. Because if you teach him to be a merchant, so many times the person who's selling his merchandise, people may not be interested in his merchandise, which is not true in regards to a craft. A craft is always something that is necessary all the time by all people. That's what it seems to be indicated by Rashi. So therefore, according to Rabbi Yehuda, if you teach your child to do something, something that sometimes people won't need, he's going to end up stealing. Whereas if you teach him a craft, according to Rabbi Yehuda, then you're fine. But according to the Tanakhama, no, it doesn't matter what you teach him, as long as you teach him something that he can make a living. Okay, sometimes it might be tough, but that doesn't mean that you taught him to be a robber. The Gemara continues, We said in the Mishnah, all the mitzvahs of the father on the son, etc. What is this talking about? If it's talking about all the commandments that a father has to do for his son, is it true that women are commanded by time? We learned in Abraisa, a father is obligated in regards to his son, Lamulo, to circumcise and live to redeem him. In imolo. So it's only the father, but not the mother. On Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, this is what we mean. All of the commandments in regards to the father that are incumbent upon the son to do for his father. So both men and women are obligated. And this is talking about Kibbut Avaim, honoring one's parents. Both men and women have that obligation. This Mishnah has to do with the following b'raisa. All I know is a man. Ish, I mean, how do I know that a woman is also included in fearing and honoring one's parents? When it says you, plural, shall fear, that teaches us that there are two people that it's talking about here, a man and a woman. In Cain, why does the verse say man, which implies only man? A man always has the ability to do it. But a woman sometimes does not have the ability to do it. Because if she gets married, so then she has her first obligation towards her husband before her parents. Rav Idibaravin says in the name of Rav, Niskarsha, if let's say she got divorced, Shneim Shavim, both she and her brother are equal, meaning, despite the fact that she had come under the obligation of someone else and she no longer was obligated to her parents, once she gets divorced from that person, so the original obligation of their parents returns. Tanarabana, we learned in Abraisa. Namar, the verse says, You shall honor your parents, your father and your mother. The Namar, and it says, You shall honor Hashem from your wealth. So we see the verse compares honoring one's parents to honoring Hashem. The verse says, You shall fear your parents. And the verse says also, You shall fear Hashem. The verse compares fearing their one's parents to fearing Hashem. It says, if a person curses his father or his mother, he shall certainly die. The verse says, if a person curses Hashem, heaven forbid, he shall carry his sin. The verse, and here we're going to use a euphemistic expression, the verse compares blessing one's parents, euphemistically, to, to, blessing, one, to blessing Hashem. 
But in regards to hitting, so obviously a person is not allowed to hit his parents, but it's not possible to talk about hitting Hashem, so we obviously can't compare them. And it makes sense that we should compare Hashem to the parents, because those are the three partners in a person. We learned there are three partners in a person. Hashem, a father and a mother. When a person honors his parents, Hashem says, I consider it about them, that, they have, that I dwelt amongst them and they honored me. Tanya, we learned in a brisa. Rabbi Aimer, Rabbi says, It's clear in a pattern before the one who spoke, and the world came into being, that a son honors his mother. Even more than his father. Because the mother is somebody who always is saying nice things to his child, to her child. And therefore, it's natural for a child to go and honor his mother. That's why Hashem specifically said that first you should honor your father and then your mother. Because you have to go against your nature in regards to your father. And therefore, you have to do it equally. And it's clear in a before the one who spoke, and the world came into being, that a son is more fearful of his father than his mother, because the father teaches him Torah, and teaches him the right path in life. That's why the Torah specifically said, and it was saying the verse, and saying that you have to fear your mother and your father. First it says the mother, because that's not as natural for a person to fear as one's father.